Amen, amen. Well, I don't want to take up too much time this morning, and uh, I probably should have warned Brother Merriman that I'll probably be short, but I, he'll cope with it, I'm sure. Amen. I'm going to have a very short passage of Scripture reading in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. We can all quote this. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Amen. I want to preach to us this morning about the testimony of God, the testimony of God. Can we lay our Bibles down and let's ask God to anoint us today. Heavenly Father, we need you, Master. More than We need you more than anything today, God. More than anything in this house, God, we need your spirit, your anointing, God, to settle upon each and every one of us. The need you see, God, take care of them this morning. We ask you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You may be seated. The testimony of God, our testimonies that each and every one of us have today, many of them started out the same way. A lot of them have a lot of similarities that we can all reach back to. In general, most of us can say, my testimony starts because somebody invited me to the house of God. Most of us can say, well, someone talked to me about God, and I began to make my journey to truth. Some may have been bus kids. Some may have been family. Some may have been like myself. I never have that invitation where someone said, come to the house of God with me because my parents brought me to the house of God. Some of us don't all have the same testimony, but it serves the same purpose. A testimony, testimony is a spoken or written uh, gesture of someone speaking it, and it's the evidence of proof spoken of the existence and the appearance of something. We all have the testimony we like to look at our testimonies, and I know we don't have a lot of testimony services around here like others, but they stand up and we testify and we say how good God is. And we think of something that God has done for us throughout the week, and we tell the church and we want to tell everybody about what God has done for us. But there's the testimony of each and every one of us that when we first got into truth, when we first stepped through the back doors, when we first came to an altar, when we first spoken tongues, that, that journey that starts inside of each and every one of us, it all has a beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, we find that it assumes the existence of God. Before anything was created and who he is was spoken at the very beginning, it assumes his eternity because nothing can diffute anything that he says when he says, I created the heavens and the earth. There's nothing that any man can prove that says that it is any otherwise. We know that God created the heavens and the earth. Since nothing comes from nothing, it must have been God because nothing else existed prior to God creating the heavens and the universe. It implies his omnipotence. 
for he creates the universe of things. It implies his absolute freedom because we see he begins a new course of action for each and every one of us. It implies his infinite wisdom, his cosmos, an order of matter of time can only come from absolute intelligence. A lot of us may sit here today and think, well, we're, we're smart. Or you may sit down and talk to somebody and, and realize this person really knows what they're talking about. But nobody that you ever meet can speak things into existence. Now, I can tell my children, go clean your room. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen, one. It doesn't mean it's going to meet the standards, two. And it doesn't mean they're going to do it with a willing heart. They're not going to have to obey. They're just going to do it. But when God speaks in our life, it has to obey. The winds have to obey, Brother Jared. Nothing can say not today. It's just not the day for that. But when God speaks, it has to happen. It has to follow willfully to his word. We find that it, it presumes him to, beyond, to be beyond all limit of time and place. Since we knew he was before all time and place. This creating is the omnipotent act of giving existence to things which before had no existence. We look at our life and we think of where would I be without God? And generally all of us can go through and tell us the places where if I didn't have God, this is where I would be. If I didn't have God in my life, this is the road I would have went down because I know the road that I was on when God plucked me off of this street, out of this gully, out of this valley, out this mountain, down in the gutters of life. I know where I was at. And we can predict and say, if I stayed the course, this is where I would be. But none of us sitting here today, absolutely none of us, could predict the journey that God has brought us on. None of us could stand up and say, I've seen it coming. I knew what he was going to do. I knew how he was going to use me. None of us today can stand up and say, I knew what God was going to do in my life. Because we all sit here a product of a God who loves us and cared us. The same God that spoke it into existence, this world and this universe, is the same one that steps into your life each and every day and expresses his will and says, I want you to do this job. I want you to live here. I want you to go to church here. I want you to reach out to this person. I want you to marry this person. I want you to have these children. God is the one that reaches down in each and every one of our lives and speaks his will. We may think, oh, I've done it on my own, but God is the one who spoke it into existence. It extends far past the observations that will not reach. We find the scientists up to today can only observe what they see now. What they see is a remnant of the past. And what they can take those two items and project what the future will be. But God extends from the beginning of time and will be there at the end of time. Now in my imagination, I begin to think, God creating the heavens and the earth. And just imagine when God spoke and his words spoke and he said, time, I'm going to create you. Time, you're going to listen to only me. Time, it's only I who controls time. And he says, on the count of three, time, second one is going to begin. One, two, three. And without ever being a clock created, an iPhone with a clock on it, a man-made creation doing anything, 
time began only with the tick of just God saying, let there be. And it started second one, second two, second three. And it has went on from the beginning of time, and it will go on until the end. God created time. Now, if you don't think that God, if he can, can create time, if he can't just work within that medium that he's created that you and I live in, that he don't have all control over everything. He puts us inside of a relative space of time. He can control each and every movement, each and every stroke of the clock, each and every time that a second goes by, he's in control. He's saying, keep going, keep going. He never once had to say, time, why are you stopping? Did I tell you to stop? But time just obeys. Time obeyed when a man of God raised his hand and God said, sun and moon, won't you stop? That was God speaking time to stop. The very beginning, we like to go to the Scripture and say we want to prove the existence of this world through Genesis 1 and 1. But it assumes the existence of God. It's God saying, before anything else existed, I was there. Before anything happened, I was there. It was me. It was me alone by myself saying, time, start. Now, many of us in our jobs, and a lot of us have jobs that they call it seniority, and people begin to talk about their surroundings, and oh, so much has changed. But there's always going to be that one person who says, I remember back when, before all y'all started, this is how it was. And you begin to tell them how it really was. And you say, back in the day, this is how it really was. But no one can do that to God. No one can testify and stand up and try to disprove his existence by saying, long before God was, I was there. My creator was the very beginning. He's the one who seen everything from the beginning to the end and said, listen, I know what's going to happen this time and this time and this time. And this person's going to worship me. And this person I'm going to fill with the Holy Ghost. This person I'm going to pull out of a life of sin. God seen it from the very beginning. And Genesis 1 and 1 is the testimony of God saying, I was there. Try to disprove me. It assumes the being of God. It asserts the beginning of things. This sentence is the testimony. The actual world in us and around us is the reality. The faith that we have in God takes account of the one observation of the other. We see where we're believing in God, we know that God created everything. By believing in God, we know that he stepped into the balconies of heaven and, and spoke it all into existence. But what are we going to do about it? We can look at God and say, well, I don't know if you can take care of the situation. But Revelations chapter 22 and verse 13 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The idea that we have from Scripture, it shows us that he will show us that he is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He originated the whole idea of salvation. 
long before trademarks could happen and long before copyright laws could be in place, God washed over salvation with his blood and says nobody can wipe it away. Nobody can duplicate the forgiveness of sin. Nobody can take my name and make it do something other than what I intended. Nobody can baptize someone and, and say somebody else's name or say another God's name and it do anything other than make them wet. But God's name the one from the very beginning, the one who created everything in the existence of life and time is the one who could step into your life and say, sin, you no longer have a home here. Sin, you no longer can live here. Sin, you can no longer be comfortable here. The one who spoke light and darkness and water and made it all is the same person that speaks in your life and says, give thee from this person. They're covered by my blood. They're stamped with my approval. Nobody can undo what God wants to do in your life. If you really want out of it, you're the only one that can walk away from God. You're the only one that can stand up and say, Genesis 1 and 1 means nothing to me. Oh, yeah, I believe God created the heavens and the earth, but you know what? He's never done anything for me. He's never taken care of me. Why don't you read his testimony where he reached down from the heavens and earth and created, but he also walked among each and every one of us. He was crucified. He went to Calvary. He says, listen, you know, death, hell, and the grave, I created it. But I trump it all with my testimony because before death was, I am. Before life was, I am. We find that God formed the world. He will wind up its affairs. He spoke it into existence, and he's the one that's going to turn it off. This wretched world that we live in, the times that we're going through, no matter how filthy they are and the sin that doth abound, God is the one in control that says, enough's enough. I'm done. It's finished. Children, come on home. His word is the one that stops it all. So why don't we talk to him? So why don't we talk to him and, and pray upon him say, God, get us out of this situation. God, relieve us from this oppression. God, you're from the beginning. God, you have control of all things. Help me out of this situation. He's the only one that can do it. But I'll tell you why. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, we find Moses, we find him keeping the flock, his father-in-law. Verse 1 says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he had led the flock to the backside of the desert, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. You look at the Scripture, we always like to, okay, there's a burning bush, and we like to jump scene to scene. We like to fast forward, and we like to look at things to get to our favorite parts of the story. We like to see, oh, well, they're talking about the bush. And the next thing you know, Moses is standing there taking off his, off his uh, sandals and God's talking to him. But there had to be something that happened with Moses. He's seen the burning bush. He went over to it. He had the choice not to go or to go. He could have stood from afar. So that's, that's different. Come on, little sheep. That's really weird. And go back and tell the family, I've seen something I just can't explain. Moses had that option. Moses didn't have to. 
Because Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. God didn't pick him up and put him in front of a, a burning bush. He didn't plant him there and, his, and he snowed out of nowhere. He's standing there looking at a burning bush. But Moses made the conscious decision to go look. And verse 4 says, And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God was watching. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes off of thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. We find that Moses had an encounter with God. We find that God spoke to him out of the flame of fire in the midst of a bush. But it's also in, important to note that the burning bush was not God's final intent for this story. It was not the final note and the one we focus on, but the burning bush was not the experience that God was wanting to give Moses. It wasn't just to be able to look upon a bush and be able to go back and tell his family, I seen something, it wasn't consumed, it spoke to me, and I left. It was only to arrest the attention of Moses. It was only to say, Moses, over here. Over here, Moses, look at me. And Moses made the conscious decision to go over there. It was an invitation as well as a means to measure Moses' interest or his desire in things of God. It was a gauge that was given to him. It was only after Moses went did God reveal his presence and let it be known his real purpose of the burning bush. It was only after that moment in time where he decided to pursue it that he realized what was there. Moses could have left with only a testimony of saying, I saw something. He could only say, well, I seen the burning bush. He could have ran home and impressed everybody with his spiritual enough to see manifestations of angels or of God. He could have stopped at just that and said, you know what, I know it wasn't the devil, but it looked like something of God. He could have just stopped at that experience. He could have settled for an angelic visitation and missed a divine encounter. Too often people are content to settle on a phenomenon seen as the burning bush in their life. Too many times we look at apostolic services, and it's easy for us to just stop at the burning bush. We see it from afar. The song is sang, the message is preached, the altar is attended, and it's just the burning bush experience. We don't linger long enough for God to speak. We don't really let the message get attention of our heart. We see it from afar, and we walk out, you post on social media, and say, what a great service. But did it really change your life? Did it really do something to impact eternity? Did it really do something that would make you something that I never knew I could change from where I'm at right now. And the word speaks to our heart, and we stand there at the bush, and we don't listen to the voice speaking to us. It's just seen from afar. Saints of God, pity on us if our apostolic experience is only seen from afar. 
pity on us if your testimony is, oh, God gave me a raise or he kept me out of harm's way. But God changes our lives. God orders our steps. God stops and starts time in our life and validates himself in us. You have to let him. Or you can just sit there and say, I've seen a burning bush today. I felt the tingle up my spine today in church. Or I felt the, the joy of the Holy Ghost begin to spring up. I felt really good. But we stop and we say, whoa, what good church we had. They're content to settle on the burning bush. They see that burning bush as an intended experience. If you do something long enough, you're going to think that's the way it's supposed to be. If you do repetition long enough, you'll convince yourself this is the only way. If you do something long enough, it becomes to you as right and everybody else is wrong. If your walk with God is shallow and it's been that way for so long, you're going to think it's right. Nothing bad happens. Pastor hasn't called me out. I haven't been spoken about in a message and someone call me out and tell my name, hey, you got to go deeper in God. It's never happened. I must be okay. And you convince yourself that where you're at is okay because you look at a burning bush from afar. Your favorite song is sang. Your favorite preacher gets up and preaches. You clap your little hands. You run your little feet around the aisle and you feel good, but that's the burning bush existence in your life. Your testimony is no longer validated because your testimony is dependent on the premise of God being alive in your life. But is he really? Does the testimony of God and your testimony line up and match up and it's the missing puzzle piece that you drop in place and you say, God, me and you were made for each other? Or do you say, God, just let me see the burning bush from afar? He heard the voice himself. We see Moses didn't just settle for seeing a burning bush, for he heard the voice of God for himself. You read through scriptures, you'll find that up until this time, Moses' knowledge of God, Brother Jared, was dependent of what was told to him by his parents. This was Moses' defining point. He received divine direction for his life. Began what became a very personal relationship with God. Moses, his beginning, his testimony, his Genesis 1 and 1 happened at the burning bush. Him saying, God, I acknowledge your existence, and I'm curious just enough to let you have control in my life. The voice he heard, was one that spoke things into his life. If you read through scriptures after this and down through the passages, you'll find where Moses went before the elders. And Moses told them something very important. It wasn't just, hey, I seen a burning bush. It wasn't just, I heard God speak to me today. It was, God is going to deliver us from Egypt. God is going to take us to a place called the promised land. How many people can we take with us if we'll get beyond the burning bush experience? How many people can we walk into their life and say, listen, God spoke to me. 
God, the one from Genesis 1 and 1, yes, him, the one who spoke everything into existence, spoke to me, and he said, come to church. I see the pain in your life. God said, why don't you come to church with me? Moses could have stopped at the burning bush and said, I'm just interested in the spectacle. I'm just on I-35, and there's a wreck in the northbound lane. I'm going southbound. I'll slow down just long enough just to see. But God says you've got to get beyond the burning bush experience towards something where God can speak to your life, and you can stand there and say, he's real. He just validated himself to me. He just showed me he's alive and he's intentional. He wants to be in my life. He's the one who spoke this all into an existence. That's my God. Saints of God, what I ask you today, who are we going to take with us after we get past our burning bush experiment? When we stand there and we say, oh, that's pretty. I've seen pictures of the fire. My wife was showing me images that someone had sent her from Colorado. And it was interesting to, to look at and, and just seeing the magnitude of damage. But there was one picture she sent me. It was kind of grainy, looked like it was taken at night. Backdrops were the mountains all scarred with uh, flames flickering in the distance. The huge front wall, the flames roaring. There was a river that went through it, and about it looked like more than just a couple hundred yards away from the front wall of this forest fire were two deer just standing in the water, heads down, drinking. Saints of God, that could be just us. I know it's simple. Burning bush. Yes, God, I've been going to church for 20 years. I've heard the anointing being preached. I've seen God move, just the burning bush. If that's all you've seen in your existence and walking with God, I think you need to go back and see what's going to speak to you. If that's all you've ever heard in your life, I think you need to go back and listen for that still, small voice that says, listen, Douglas, take your shoes off. And you'll say, well, this hasn't happened before. I've never had this happen in my life. Well, this is different. And we bend down and we take the shoes off. And God begins to speak to us, not because of who we are, but because of where we're at. What we allowed ourselves to do, we allowed ourselves to be talked to by the hand of God. We can settle for the burning bush experience, or we can learn what a burning bush experience is really all about. It's not to give us just the testimony of angelic visitation, but it's rather a place of calling. It is there we are called to self-sacrifice. It's a place of consecration. It's there we are called to kingdom service. It's there where commitment is required of the saint of God. Sacrifice, consecration, service, commitment. Those are the places, those are the things you're going to find at the feet of a burning bush when a God speaks out out of love and compassion and says, my child, let's go just a little deeper. Let's go just a little deeper. There's something more to be said when you look at your testimony and you think, oh, it's so void and empty. But give it the opportunity to let God step in your life and allow him to stand there and say, listen, your testimony is something, but I want to take it to the next level. I want to take it to the next step. I want to go so much further beyond just seeing the burning bush in the distance and seeing something that looks pretty. Take a picture of it. Post it somewhere. Oh, it was a good service. Oh, we danced and shouted. But it did it change my life. 
Did the song change my life? Did I get to the point in the place in the service to where I stood there and I lifted my hands and I spoke the words that were from the depths of my heart to the God and creator of this universe and it was just a conversation between him and me? Or was it just, I'll just sing the song, go through the motion, listen to the preacher preach, and what's for lunch? Saints of God, our walk with God has got to be so much deeper than just the observation of Pentecost. It's got to be so much deeper than just the observation of a 10 o'clock service, a 7 o'clock service, 7.30, 6.30, prayer meeting, praying at home. It's got to be so much deeper than just going through the casual motion of trying to convince each other I'm doing okay. I'm afraid in this age. I'm afraid in this age of technology. It's bled into our spirit to wear the persona that we can put off and be the person that we want everybody else to think that we are bleeds into your spirit. Oh, well, I just had a blowout church and it was posted on Twitter, Facebook. Oh, it's awesome. But you sinned and you turn around and do something that you shouldn't do that doesn't say this person just came out of a red hot service. Too many times we fall prey to just convincing others instead of convincing God that we want to be in his house. Too many times it's all about impressing others instead of impressing God. And that includes pastor. Pastor's not the final call for your salvation. He's living a life that says, follow me, follow Christ. But he always says, read the word after I've preached it. Read the word after I've taught it. Pray about it. Let God take you deeper in the word of God. We're not going to be the ones that's going to stand and look at pastor and him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's going to be standing in line with the rest of us and saying, everybody, come on up to the front. Riggins Group's in the front. We've all made it. Come on, everybody. But it's us pleasing God us joining with the leadership, us following the Word of God and joining together and say there's so much more than the burning bush experiment where it just looks like it's something pretty. Someone threw gasoline on a tree. But no, God is saying get deeper new life. We want to go deeper in Him. Just as He spoke to us uh, last weekend, God wants us to go deeper in Him. But if we just look from afar, it's just the burning bush. It's just a burning bush. But as Moses said, he made up in his mind, I went over and seen the burning bush. He had that decision that he could make. He had that option where he could have walked away, but it was God that recognized that fact. We look in the Scripture. We find that God sitting there watching, and it, when he said, the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out. God recognized his commitment. Saints of God sitting here today, I wonder, does God see our commitment today? Does he sit and see us at the crossroads of life? Are we sitting there saying, well, that looks like a pretty spectacle, but God's saying, come a little closer. When we take the step out of the pew, we take the step of commitment. God's sitting there saying, I saw them make that commitment in their life where songs became more than just songs and service just become more than a social uh, showing of themselves. But God's saying the walk with me means much more than just observing from afar. The next step, God walks into your life and he says, listen, I've got a word for you. 
Brother Jerry, we remember those times when God walks into our life, those prayer meetings to where nobody else is around, and, and we sit there and we say, God, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. God, I want to worship you. And then we hear that still, small voice where he steps in and says, my child. We feel the loving arms of compassion reach down our life, and we feel that validation of God saying, you're still mine. You're still mine. I was reading uh, Kaiser's paper from Father's Day this morning. He had left it at the church, and um, Sister Goff brought it in to me and says, you want to read this? And so I was reading it before service, looked down, and, and uh, one of the things was, what does my daddy do for fun? And he put, he loves to hug me. Saints of God, what does my daddy do for fun? He loves, he absolutely loves to hug me. My heavenly Father wants to do nothing more than to reach down, pick up my heart that's aching, the one that tears are pouring off of, and he loves to hug me and tell me I'm one of his very own. That's more than just the burning bush. That's the voice speaking out. And he says, Douglas, I've loved you from the very beginning. That's the voice of my heavenly Father, the one that speaks with love and says, I don't care what's going on around you. Let's go beyond this. It's all about me loving you. Saints of God, can we stand today? The task today is for each and every one of us to go beyond just the divine encounter. Each and every one of us have an opportunity this morning. You weren't screaming. You weren't yelling. You weren't burning the carpet up on the aisles. But God wants to see what you'll commit to. God's Word we sang three songs, Brother Jared. Let your anointing breathe on me. God, let your anointing come on me. Three songs about anointing today. What are you going to do to get that anointing in your life? You sing about it. You dance about it. You'll run the aisles about it. Clap your hands and do your little jig. God wants to talk to somebody today. He wants to step into somebody's life and say, why don't you just go this day? beyond the burning bush. Saints of God, can we lift our hands and talk to him this morning? Heavenly Father, you're speaking to somebody today. You've walked into this life, and you said, listen, I want to do so much more. God, you gave him the words of Moses, and you brought the children of Israel out because he went so far beyond and said, I won't just stop here. But God, you spoke in his life. He took off his shoes. And he went down and he talked to you and you rewarded him. My heavenly father, if I could ask a favor, God, would you reach down and talk to somebody today? Heavenly father, just this day, this day in June, God, just reach down. Let them feel what I can feel. Let them feel what they can feel when they go beyond just watching from afar. When church is not just the building, it's who they are. Heavenly Father, we need you today. I need you to talk to somebody. Let's find us a place to pray this morning, saints of God. I love you, Jesus. God, I thank you for this day. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we want to go so much deeper 
so much wider than just watching from afar. We sang your songs this morning, God. Allow us to walk into your presence once again and feel you. Let your voice talk to us. Hallelujah. Saints of God, let's pray this morning. Let's reach out to him. Let's talk to him. We know we need him. We need more of him. Hallelujah.